So you want to start the show? Yeah. Uh, three, <laughs> two, one. Hello, and welcome to the Enlightened Couch Potato Show. My name is Nicholas Rave, and this is... Adrienne Gunn. Here on the Enlightened Couch Potato Show, we love to help people watch movies and TV for maximum psychological and spiritual development. Ooh, you nailed it. Yeah, it's like I've been practicing. Good for you. (laughs) (laughs) So how we tend to do that, uh, for the most part, is uh, Adrienne and I get together semi-regularly and talk about (laughs) all the different movies that we have been watching and taking way too seriously. Uh, We have all of these strategies that we employ to turn movies and TV into a personal and spiritual transformational tool. And so we share some of those tools by talking about what we've been watching and what experiences we've been having of the movie teaching us all the secrets of the universe. Yes, we take we take this TV movie world super seriously. Yeah, yeah. We TV deeply. <laughs> yes. Pretty good. I so I want to catch people up if you know you're watching. You're watching these. We've decided. And so we did not have an episode last time. What we had together, sometimes we record episodes that don't end up being episodes. What we had instead was a one of our more, no, less interesting conversations, I think. I would agree. Yeah. It <laughs> <laughs> was awesome. We're like, should we do a show? I haven't watched much. Yeah, I've watched a lot. Here's what I have to say about it. Uh, <laughs> yep. <laughs> it was awesome how yeah. little we had to say. It was, I was, it was probably pretty fascinating, actually. Mm-hmm. But during that time of not being camera ready or, or articulate, we gave each other an assignment, which is kind of cool. So the assignment for me was to watch Speed Racer. And for me, it was to watch a movie called Laurel Canyon. Did you do your homework? I did. <laughs> I didn't. Uh, well, I did part of it. I didn't finish it. Um, but not because I wasn't enjoying it. It was yeah. because I, uh, I had a night set aside to sit down and watch it. Yeah. And it would not download forever. It, I oh. couldn't find it on any streaming service. Mm. So it was like. I could only watch about half of it, but okay. I do have comments on what I already watched and I will finish it. And by the way, it's kind of freaking awesome. Like <laughs> um, I have a lot, I have a lot of things to say already, but I really want to talk about speed racer um, yeah. and I want to hear your thoughts about it. So well, um, I'm so loving... where, you want to start with mine or yours? Oh, maybe we should start with uh, the speed racer thing. I'm loving that we at sure. least gave each other homework. Yes. Yes. Is that, is this the first time? We've done that. Well, we've hinted, we've suggested homework, but we've never agreed to homework. And I think this might be a good way to do it. Um, I also think the idea of like having time to like expectations to know to prepare our thoughts on the subject, it makes what we're going to say more um, consolidated and easier to be like, here are our thoughts on this movie or, or show or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. You insinuated that we spent time thinking about what we were going to say. Oh, um, <laughs> I did. I wrote awesome. notes. Thank you. You wrote notes. All. Yeah. I've done that I wrote before several. some weeks. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Here, let me write some notes. Okay. 
Okay, I'm ready. Okay, all right. <laughs> that was me writing. The so, uh, so we're head. doing Speed Racer first. I, I, this is one of my favorite movies of all time, and um, I'm very excited to hear your thoughts. I want you to go first for sure. sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so this is the new to me movie, Speed Racer. Okay. Yeah. Which I, I guess I knew existed, kinda. Like, oh, you said the movie, right. and I'm like, cool, cool, that happened. Right, right. Not a movie that you would think would be like my I mean, to me, Speed Racer fits in with like Transformers or maybe uh, the like I was going to say like the Yogi Bear movie, but like not quite (laughs) that bad because I know Speed Raiders a little more uh, Speed Racers a little more beloved than that. But like, um, yeah, not a movie that you would be like. Uh, th- this may be uh, uh, one of the more impressive works of art that humans sure. have ever created. Yeah. Also, it's like, I know that Speed Racer is a thing. Right. Like, did I see it kind of sometimes in Hanna-Barbera? Like, in the mix of, like, a bunch of cartoons, just like yeah. shorts. Like, I don't know that I've actually watched in anything oh, of Speed Racer. I don't Racer. think I have. Yeah. And I don't know whether it's a comic book or not. Maybe. Uh so I'm like, yeah, that's a thing. Much like I know old logos for soda and I've seen like that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then it was super last minute. Now I have been watching other shows and been really enjoying them. So I'm like, oh, I told Nicholas I was going to watch this. And I had my burger and I'm like, oh, I wonder what's happening next with this show that I'm watching, but I'm watching Speed Racer. Totally watch Speed. That's what I said I was gonna do. It's the homework. Cool, 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 cool. So, so I turned it on, knowing that it's not like a movie I would specifically like jump into. And I was like, okay, I've got to use my tools. So I turn it on, and it's really loud in its <laughs> color. Yes, it's very colorful, and it's like it's very time warpy. It's like really yeah. fast, and I'm like. Oh, and I'm sitting there like, do I like kid movies? Do I like cars? Do I like race track rollers, like roller coaster? No, no, I don't like those things. I'm like, yeah, cool. We're doing it. We're in here now. And I was like, wow, this is over the top sensory and funny. And so I'm like, cool, 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 cool. Which me would be super chill, like excited to be here. I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, let's find her. Where did she go? And so I sort of went back to like, I I remember having the Hot Wheels cars and you'd throw them through the thing. So I had to like access my Hot Wheels car. Excellent. Version of me, which was short lived. Like I didn't, I, I didn't have money enough to have heart, the cars and the yeah. tracks. And I didn't have friends who had money to have the whole thing. So this, this is like, this is like your Hot Wheels set and all of your imaginary racer friends like grew up and have like space technology and they can vroom and zoom and that's badass. At some point, my heart rate just is, is elevated fr- and I keep, I literally keep pausing the movie to be like, how how long is this experience gonna be? <laughs> and I'm like, it's two hours. It's gonna be two hours. Cool, cool. I'm so nervous. This is awesome. I am so nervous. Yeah. What is happening? Like, I just can't. Like, you could breathe and watch this. I'm like, can I? 
I don't know. It was like, this is late at night. This is when I usually get sleepy. Oh, yeah. This is not like a relaxed before bed kind of movie for sure. No. This this movie is climactic. (laughs) It started at 630. I'm like, I am so awake right now. Maybe I should have watched this on the weekend in the daytime. (laughs) But while I'm watching it, I'm like, this is fucking crazy what is happening with yes. like there are amazing actors in here there's yes. like who called that person and why did they say yes and how yeah. did that happen and it seems it's, it was like in 2008 that it was released it's such it's even still a futuristic movie in yes. its intersplicing of crazy camera angles uh digital art yeah weird concepts the way it plays with time the way it plays with like who's what's happening in the foreground and the middle like it actually is this like like when you say like an animated comic book you don't usually mean like this part of the frame is doing this while this story right. is doing this and this is going here and it's suddenly yeah. and then it's flipped over there's so much fucking groovy stuff happening there and then apparently there's a plot <laughs> there's a plot too which is kind of lovely uh it seems to be thematically about integrity and also family in passion and maybe even believing in yourself uh which is was harder for me to like rest into the because like, i love that kind of stuff because there were so many enticing visual things happening oh. And you'll find when when you start talking about one of the movies that I love, you'll find that my choices are more relational, slow web, mm-hmm. not visual. Like I will, I if you're like, there's a synopsis of new movie. Two people sit and have tea and <laughs> talk to each other for two and a half hours. I'm like, I'm in it. That sounds <laughs> awesome. Uh, that is not this. This is very no. viscerally stimulating. This is like far other side of the spectrum. This I would put this movie up there with like Mad Max Fury Road in terms of like relentless forward momentum and crazy visuals and world yeah. building, like yeah. style. Uh, that movie took me years to watch because I played it for 40 minutes and I was like, I don't think I've breathed yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, that's so exactly I, what I mean. <laughs> I only finished it this year. I think I started it when it came out. Liz couldn't watch it <laughs> at right. all. She watched 10 minutes and was like, nope, not doing it. Um, and it's not like go- particularly gory or anything. It's just like, <laughs> it's like heart pounding. Yes. Um, so... <laughs> When I watched Speed Racer, I was a humongous fan of The Matrix. Okay. It's made by the, by the Wachowskis. And I went um, excited, but skeptical. Um, cool. And I remember <laughs> the climax of that movie was so visually psychedelic that I, it felt organic orgasmic to me like you're in the movie theater and i'm like crying and it's like how i imagine people must have felt who really got uh 2001 okay at the end of 2001 
back then because as great as that movie is now it doesn't land in the same way there are some movies like alien i wish i could go back in time and watch the first alien movie without knowing anything about it not having seen the creature and just like that I, like it gives me chills to think about it to mm-hmm. think about the that nightmare coming to life in this perfect freaking movie so the end of 2001 with the, the, the streaming colors that you're just like, Gah! and Speed Racer does that mm-hmm. in this way where it has this climactic emotional moment that has been so earned throughout the whole story and the visuals it goes full-on surrealist (laughs) in the end like there's it's like the uh, there are moments where you can see this is not anyone's viewpoint in the in the movie this is just a painting that they've made and there's moments where like the camera is like twirling around um speed as an adult and then it then morphs to him as a kid doing it and then like crossing the finish line and that that feeling of the finish line right mm-hmm. i have to imagine this is the closest thing to winning one of those races um yourself that you can yes. feel not actually winning it 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 gives that feeling of elation and then for me the story is so purely about integrity like you said like Mm -hmm. don't sell your integrity for anything and follow your bliss like he was born to do this this is the thing he he drives a car like the greatest violinist in the world plays the violin like this is his art and that is such a pure and simple story but that's to me it's it's got a kind of golly gee ah shucks kind of and the moral to the story is feeling but then they they put that into this just kaleidoscope of visuals Mm -hmm. that i i will hold that movie up with any artsy fartsy whatever and be like this is a work of art and you yes. can't you cannot argue with that like you might not like it but boy is it art and I, I i will i will take issue with things like transformers like i'm i'm like okay yes there's a lot of hard work that went into it but yeah. to me it's not it, it, it a lot of that art definition i think has to do with intention like what is the intention behind this and how deep does that intention go and i think the wachowski's freaking genius shines through in that movie well and they also take the opportunity to take this unreal character like when you take something that was cartoon before yeah and then you put it into live action but then you're like, but if we do that, if we put it into live action and make it real, then we lose the magic of imagination. Yeah. And when we have the access, like, well, but we have like cartoon is the frame. It's the it's the container that this has lived in for people. We can expand the art form. We have all these tools now to expand what's possible with the art form to make it even more wildly imaginative yeah. and drop you in in a place where like if you're trying to do the realistic, there's there's nothing realistic about being a driver who's one, like there's something emotional and like you like life altering, 
those moments that are epic in our lives yeah do we do see our lives flash before our faces and we can hear all the voices of those who have passed and it becomes yeah. this weird morphic like time which is not it'd be really hard to like figure out how to do that with our 3d tangible world and how do you like yes. that and what camera angle, like so it's a it's a beautiful way to actually drop people into emotional visceral experience which is indescribable yeah so why don't you create something that's beyond reality yeah and, and it's dr it's dreamlike in that mm -hmm. way which i've always felt that analogy of like movies are not representations of life they're representations of dreams that that it is far more accurate the way a movie depicts experiences that's what it's like when we're dreaming and that's why we're like oh i get it because <laughs> we're like i've done this since my brain turned on since before yeah. i left the womb if i'd had a sense of the theme ahead of time now i so i was much like Liz, much like your wife, I am a, a highly sensitive human. So for me to drop in, I could probably watch it again and drop into a place where I can allow this movie to be, you talked about violinists. One of the themes is there's this passion for something yeah. that exists and is doable and you can excel at it. But golly, there are a number of things that people can really, really excel at that may or may not have value mm. in the way that it has personal value mm -hmm. and figuring out how to like find your way, you know, as a musician, I can relate to, Hey, technically I can make a CD. I can sell those. You can market it. You can get paid travel. Like there's stuff you can make a business. There's so many things you can make a business out of to continue doing a thing you love. Yeah. And there's something really challenging about figuring out the balance of how do I keep doing a thing and keep the love of it and keep mm -hmm. and honor the impulse that got me yeah. in this craft in the first place. And I think that, especially since I'm not into driving or racing, that can help because it becomes a new metaphor for me for all the other things that I'm passionate about yeah. that could be sullied by other influences and connecting to my own initial love and spark and curiosity that, that drives me to do any of the things that I love in life. So that, that, that brings up a, I think a worthwhile tangent. When you think about passion, like a passion project, something someone loves to do, and you think about the times where trying to turn it into a business ruins it. Yeah. Um, I know that that's true. I've experienced it. I've seen it happen before, but I've also seen it not happen. I've seen situations where the thing you love is made better by almost turning it into a game to see how many people you can get excited about it and have them exchange money for it. Like yeah. I've seen it, it build the passion and, and then I've seen it ebb and flow for people, especially once something really gets going. And then like, you've got a show for instance, and it, it becomes successful and you've got lots of passion for it. And then your passion wanes. Um, and then you have to find it again. And like, so what do you, what do you think that is? Like, why is it that with some people, as soon as you try to monetize it, let's just talk about that specifically, it sucks the life out of it. But for other situations, it makes it more fun. I think it really has to do with 
someone's internal representation of so there's points of flow so i think people who have challenges or baggage around money and jobs and working when you turn something into a job job equals many things that can dissipate it's kind of like um I guess it's a little like sex too, like in the sense that like some people are into something and some people aren't and they have. Well, I thought you were going to say sex, some people find sex fun when you're not getting paid. Some people find it fun <laughs> when you are getting paid, but some, some people find that when you get paid for it, it sucks the life out of it. Totally. So yeah, no, it's it a good analogy. Do, yeah. It has to do with the relationship to money, the relationship to work, the relationship to career, and whatever, like everybody's internal impulse toward something is very, very different. And what, what they, how they thrive and how they're in flow with the thing they're doing, um, which is, I guess, vagueish. It's not, it's not super specific. I, if I talk about just humans that I know that do like coaching rather than specifically movie. There's a, there's a bit of like passion and there's a bit of helping people. Some of the things that I've noticed for some humans who do coaching, they were driven to do it because they found that they had a skill set that was useful and helpful to people. So there's a usefulness, there's a helping people, there's being of service. And they're like, ooh, I can collect money from this. And then when they start focusing on the business and the structure and how to get the money out of the things they're doing, yeah, shit dies. Yeah. And getting those people to reconnect to the the joy of their own skill set and the helping people you yeah. can actually help them focus their energy and attention differently as they're doing their business world that allows them to still uh reinvigorate why they're doing it do you and feel like that's different than an artist like because you have you have your foot in many worlds yeah. and one of the worlds you have a foot firmly planted in is the artistic world. So singing, acting, dancing, comedy, these types of things seem like a thing where this happens a lot, where sometimes yes. people are like, they love a thing, but then they try to turn it into something and it, and it kills it. Is it similar or different than the coaching points that you just made? It's a bit similar, at least with coaching there there's a model that makes sense in a way mm. art's weirder because there's there's more subjectivity with art because for some people they're inventing stuff that nobody else has ever done so to come at it from like i'm going to follow a curiosity and then make a thing with myself. I'm just going to play with myself and something's going to be tangible and beautiful from it. And that's kind of neat. And that is like rinse, repeat. Oh, this seems yeah. neat. Let me squish this stuff together right. and use myself and blah, discover stuff and go through the whole process. And then the idea of, oh, let's sell that is so vastly separated from the, the creation, the creative process for a lot of people they have no clue what the value is. And what's weird about art is until like, like most, a lot of artists don't have the idea of how do you like create a value for a thing that didn't exist before or, you know, and there's some people who are doing 
similar stuff to other people. So they probably have a better idea that there's value in it. And a personal expression of an idea equaling somebody needs that thing. Hmm. On on the other side of the spectrum, you have someone like um, Gene Simmons. <laughs> yeah. Um, where for me, the music is clearly secondary at best. Sure. <laughs> the money and the business and the marketing and the branding was all first. And um, I mean, that's a choice too. Uh, for me, I wonder how much of it has to do with uh, a very simple attachment mm. that when you are making art or you're doing something just for the sake of the thing, you are not attached to any particular outcome. Sure. And yeah. that when you tie it to money, um, all of a sudden, whether or not the thing is successful is not based on your experience of creating it. It's based on the outcome that happens, whether or not you make money from it. And then all of a sudden, you, you're you in this place where you are no longer in control of whether or not you are enjoying something. Because if you don't make money from it now, oh, this was a failure. This was a failed thing. And I don't get to say I liked it anymore. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a mental shift that people can make where you can actually train yourself to enjoy it anyway. And then whether it sells or not is like a bonus. Yeah. Um, what you make yeah. the money mean is also part of the equation. Yeah. There's another bit where we're in different models of what artists are required to do. If they do want to make stuff, like there, there were models, even just in the late nineties for musicians, yeah. there were record labels and other right. humans whose job it was to find yeah. creative people and then nurture them and do the parts let them go into their box in the studio, which people would pay for and could afford, um, set them away for two months. They come up with fun stuff and then other people do the marketing and put it in the world like that. Right. That piece is somebody else's responsibility. And we had patrons, you know, centuries before. So some of the challenges that you're you're asking one human to to now the yeah. hats of like seven different people. Oh boy. That, that one, that one felt heavy when you said it. I was like, Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, I've been there. Well, and, <laughs> and on top of that, that's just literally, that's just literally, if it's, you make a song, you put it in the world and people listen to it. The new yeah. thing is how social media wants right. personal access to it. Yeah. So you like, dude, Prince, if Prince had to fucking like keep a Twitter account going, yeah. <laughs> Prince or like Madonna, it's like if you no. had to know what he had for fucking breakfast, that was not the allure of exactly. Prince, right? Yeah. So <laughs> there's just different things that are asked of people now, and there aren't well, people to do it. Yeah, to tie it back to Speed Racer. Mm -hmm. um, one of the themes that I really liked about it is the kind of scrappy underdog company with integrity going up against the giant, indestructible, uh, unscrupulous entity. Mm -hmm. um, and um, that's so well done. Like the, the yeah. bad guy is so scene-chewingly over the top. Yeah. And um, 
Yeah, it's just it, it's like this idea that my integrity and commitment and skill is so much better than you. You can cheat and I'll still kick your ass. <laughs> like yeah. that is so satisfying. Right. Um, yeah, well, I don't I don't give a shit about car movies, by the way. We should <laughs> we should clarify that. I've never watched a racing movie that I was like, oh, this is amazing. I don't I don't even like sports very much in general. Sports movies either. This mm-hmm. is not that. This is a science fiction uh extravaganza. And and to go back to it, the visuals, I will argue. No one has ever made a movie that looks like this. Like this is a completely um, in a class its own. And I I would make an argument that um, Thor Ragnarok with the neon and uh, and Guardians of the Galaxy and the new Wonder Woman movie. None of those would have happened if this didn't blaze that trail with the neon and the color and. Um, I think that you could probably talk to those directors specifically and say, what was your inspiration for that? And they'd be like, Speed Racer. It was awesome. And nobody let, nobody talks about it, but it is a masterpiece. I mean, the thing that came before it is Fifth Element. Um, yeah, that was a colorful movie, too. It didn't quite go full neon, yeah. but a lot more colors than your kind of drab um, Star Wars, Star Trek stuff more colors more sensory stuff yeah i I... like fifth element by the way have we talked about that movie no i haven't watched i don't know if we have i enjoy the crap out of that movie it's so dumb but (laughs) like it's it's pure and um and very fun yeah Uh, i I like that movie a lot mila jovovich i she's a great singer (laughs) i don't know if you've heard of ava music no yeah um yeah, both of them. That's one of my favorite Bruce Willis performances, too. He's like peak Bruce Willis. And he's like just great in that role. And um, uh, <laughs> shit, who's the comedian who plays R- Ruby Ruby Red or uh, Chris, Chris, Chris uh, Tucker, Chris Tucker. Tucker. Yeah, that's right. Um, did you know that was supposed to be Prince? Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and he backed out, and so they got Chris Tucker to come in and do his own version of Prince. <laughs> basically, yeah. that yep. makes so much sense. Oh, yeah. damn it! Tie it I all together. Do something inspired by Prince. I'm gonna work that out. <laughs> uh, all right, you want to talk a little bit about Laurel Canyon before we wrap it up? Sure. Way different okay. mood. Oh, way Lordy. different mood. So, uh, as soon as it started, I was like, "Oh, I get it. Okay, this is like." You did. We talked about White Oleander, right? No, um, this is one of Liz's like most important movies okay. um, because it's about a mother daughter relationship, and yes. um, okay. and it's it is this kind of movie where and and I I want to watch I want to have Liz watch Laurel Canyon because I think mother son will be fine. <laughs> she'll still get it. Yeah, no, she'll drop in. So <laughs> as soon. As it starts, I'm looking at the way that the subtext is so subtle and precise in every scene, in every line, you can tell what they're not saying. And um, goddamn is some great acting. So um, um, Christian Bale 
I don't remember seeing him play awkward and uncomfortable before. Right? Yeah. Not like this. I've seen him stoic. I've seen him confident. I've seen him crazy. Um, but I don't know if I've seen him be like, oh, my God, I like anxious. And he's wonderful at it. He's, I get why most people wouldn't want him to do it because he's so sexy. You want him to do something else. Yeah. But the man is an astonishingly good actor. So good. Will you pause and synopsize? Mm, uh, the movie? Can Are you? Can you? I haven't got through it, so I don't know. I'm commenting oh, on what fair. I saw. Yeah, okay. don't spoil it. No, um, well, so what I'm saying is, like, here's the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, okay. I, no, I can, do, I, I can do that. So there's um there's a son who's uh, a doctor or studying to become a doctor. I think he's doing his residency. And he decides to go um to do his residency near his mom. He's moved far away from her. And he has a, a girlfriend, a fiance, maybe, um, mm-hmm. who is also a doctor. She's studying uh, for her doctoral dissertation. And he has barely told her anything about his mom other than she's very unstable. She might be like developmentally, there might be something wrong with her. So she said uh, she's a record producer and um, they get out there and they're supposed to stay in his mom's house. And he gets there and it's supposed to be empty and his mom's there. And he's like immediately so nervous and upset and um, and then the girlfriend, fiance, finds out that his mother's actually a very successful record producer, and she he never talks about it. He's like, I told you. I <laughs> so um, yeah. So I am guessing that as the movie continues, what's going to happen is the um, tension and difficulties are going to continue to escalate between he and his mother. And then I, I don't I don't know where the story's going. So yeah. Um, but there were a few specific moments I was going to call out that I was just like, oof, that's beautiful. <laughs> so I wrote down, he's so good at being uncomfortable. <laughs> he yeah. said, I love the moment. Starts out with them having sex, which is lovely. Um, mm-hmm. Two beautiful, beautiful people. And um, I love the moment that his mom calls while they're having sex. He reaches over, hangs up the phone. And then she says, I finished. And she's like, what about you? And he's like, I'm fine. And the idea there is like, it was so upsetting <laughs> that his mother called and just even like, he didn't even hear any of it, but just that was enough to be like, never no. And like, he's hiding all this anxiety under the surface. And it's so uh, real. Yeah. Um, then they're on the plane and there's this one moment when he goes, I can't remember who it was. It was something got screwed up because he didn't call somebody. And he says, like, I should have called her back. I don't know why I did. I didn't. I don't know why I didn't. And that that read on that line was so real in that, like, they're like stupid, stupid, stupid like that. Uh, I, it, it, you feel it. You feel oh, I've done that to myself. I've been yeah. in that place. Um a uh, wonderful line from his mom about, you know, when you're well, you know, when you're repulsed or turned on. Right. It either pulls you in or it leaves you cold. And I was like, ooh, there's some deep freaking truth right there. Um, <laughs> like and it, it just made me think about, like, what does it mean to be an artist in, in a certain extent? So to pontificate philosophically here. 
you comedians will say the best way to write jokes is write things to make you laugh first and foremost, and then get better and better and better at writing those jokes. But it has to be funny to you. Otherwise you're pandering. And there's something about making music or any kind of art where um, you have to be able to look at it and go, that looks good. I like that. I like what that does. That's, that's vision and having an opinion. Like she said, you seem like someone who, um, it wasn't in, it wasn't an opinion, but it was, there was a term that she used to describe the fiance. And she was like, you seem like someone who, who would, um, uh, I can't remember what it was, but it was something like you have your own opinions about things, but that idea of you're a good producer. If you can tell whether or not do you like something or not and like, no, no, that's not as good as if you do this. Yeah. Right. And, and that's artists too, but like, that's what would make a good producer is I can tell what I, what I like. And it happens that what I like is in tune with what people like. Yeah. Um, well, and that's a that lucky cool. fucking thing to have, have what turns you on, on one, on one level, if you're able to create something that actually turns you on, theoretically it should attract other people if you're yeah some people yeah into your art such that it's like that evocative to you yeah and pleasurable then the people who will also love it will resonate with that if you're able to translate that into art and oof good on her that she's got the ability to whatever is viscerally great to her musically other people like too like so for those who like you may you that are watching, you may know that Laurel Ken's a big fucking deal in the music industry. I think it's like 60s where you got Linda Rodstadt and Joni Mitchell and James Taylor and Carly Simon and the t- Turtles. I forget his name. The nah. Crosby, Stills and Nash are hanging out there, not Neil Young. There's like everybody's with everybody. People are having sex. The, this neighborhood in Southern California is full of some of the best folk rock artists in the like late sixties and seventies. They're just hanging out all at once. This is like, and yet this is the future. What is it said in the early nineties? Yeah. Or no, early 2000, 2002, I think. Yeah. So this is, this is the magic of that area area yeah. doing. And she was one of those producers. Of yeah. That time. Uh, I was not, so deeply aware of the Laurel Canyon music story until Before. after I'd seen the the movie. So I like I can drop straight into like I'm like watching the scenes where they're going past the records. I'm like, oh, okay, I get what yeah. this is, and then I learn yeah. more about it later. What's fun is if I just say Laurel Canyon, my dad will just tell me days worth of stories. You know, when I looked up the movie and I was trying to find it. There's a documentary series about Laurel Canyon. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You, you did. He's been that. watching that lately. I haven't ah. seen it yet. Okay. So there was one other moment that I got to in it that I really loved. So there's this, uh, fellow doctor who's, um, gorgeous. And, uh, she's a girl from Truman show. Um, yes, yes. And, and Californication. Oh, she's in that too. Oh she's yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, she uh 
there's a little jealousy moment and you can see the subtle parts of it coming out. So she calls looking for uh, Christian Bale's character and then the fiance answers the phone and immediately you're like, is there, is she feeling weird? Cause there's no signs of any of that yet, but then they're sitting at the table and the doctor uh, is saying, Oh, that's amazing that you do all this genetic research. Um, and uh, I could never do that. It seems so tedious. And the the fiance responds like, what do you mean it's uninteresting? And she's like, oh, I'm sorry. My, my English isn't so good. I didn't mean I, I didn't. I think I, I thought I said tedious. And she's like, same difference. And she's like, no, I just meant like very serious. And it's like you could tell immediately that the, that she was already pissed off. And so then I was like thinking back and there was a comment. It's so subtle. I don't know if this is what they were going for, but there was a yeah. comment when she asked, where do you live? And she said, I live in the Valley, North Hollywood, which is exactly what he had said where they should move. So they were looking for apartments around the same area where this girl. And so she's like, does that have anything to do with this? And all her jealousy stuff gets triggered. And then she says tedious. And she's like, what do you mean tedious? And like, <laughs> and it was just, I, I'm watching it. I'm like, this is. This is the kind of writing where you're like, this is real. It's elevated, but it's real. Like yes. the, the, it's so believable. Every exchange has layers underneath it. And I, I love writing like this. I like, yeah. I, I like, and, and you got to have great actors to pull it off because you got, when you think about performing that way, it's as if there's two scripts running at the same time. There's the script you're saying, and then there's the script you're running in your head of yes. the responses and the motivations for why you're saying it. And that's why meditation or acting is a meditation because you don't have room for anything else in your mind. You have to be thinking the thoughts that your character is thinking in between saying the things that your character is saying. <laughs> and this kind of show is like, packed so densely with yeah. those real moments um those yeah are my there's other things. examples i could give of that but this movie does it really well yeah. so i as soon as i started i was like i get it yep <laughs> this is gonna be great <laughs> well it's like it's sexy there's tons of subtext i don't think i've ever prior to that movie i would never have been like francis smith dorman is hot <laughs> Francis McDormand is sexy as fuck in this movie. And <laughs> when were we going to that? Where did that come that? from? Like, Francis McDormand, isn't she also in Fargo? Isn't that I'm Francis saying, McDormand? Yeah. As good as it, you yeah. know, Army. she's fabulous in it. I mean, she's yeah. a freewheeling 60s. Like, yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, it's so good. So, so what I love about it, the writing is spectacular, the pacing is slow, and it just sort of drops you in sort of like reliving challenging times and challenging times are funny because you think, Oh, that was a hard thing that I went through. But then there's also this weird kind of nostalgia and pride for having survived. And it's like they're whiskey soaked. You like, like look back on these moments in life and much like, you know, you're sitting in the rain with a Nina Simone song. You're like, Oh, yeah, the time in my life. And this is capturing a one of those. Like all movies are supposed to capture these heightened yeah. moments of drama. Right. Yeah. But to be able to write with 
the sophistication to, to, to indicate text and subtext yeah. that actors can just like linger in and play mm. on. That's not easy. And that's why I love those kind of movies. Cause I collect my, my whole movie watching life. I've been collecting these like moments of truth where like I'm in such rapport with what's happening in the movie. I'm like, Oh, I have so felt that. And when somebody is able to, as an actor, just drop yeah. into and deliver a moment of That's truth. That's exactly right, what I was talking about. Yes. It's <laughs> like, yes. And I like grab yeah. it out of the movie and I like stick it in my pocket. It was like, so Laurel Canyon is one of those movies that just has so many fuck that's so what life is like yeah yeah and relationships if you haven't seen uh what, what was the one that i was just white saying oleander. white oleander if you haven't seen yeah. it it it's um it's not a super fun movie it but it it definitely is that kind of movie um i i have a theory hmm. um I'm going to say something sexist. <laughs> Great. Um, I think that it's fairly obvious that women on, uh, as a general rule, are better at picking up subtle emotional cues and subtext yes. than men. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a, there's a, there's a dopamine response to noticing subtext. It's like you get rewarded for that because you go, somebody just said they're fine, but they're not. And I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> and it feels good to notice that. Yeah. And it, it, I think that's part of the appeal. And one of the reasons why um, I, maybe this is stereotypically, but I think that stereotypically these movies tend to be more preferred by women than men yeah and i wonder if part of that is because men most men don't pick up on the subtext so it's just a very like what is happening in this movie but if you're looking at it and you're going uh oh did you see that oh they just said that because they why did they have that little facial oh, oh, oh. and like <laughs> that, that's like a scavenger hunt yeah, for somebody who can read the subtext. Right. What's fun is like you're trained in noticing things that other people don't notice. Like yeah. we are both trained in 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 recognizing subtle shifts in physiology and right. micro microfacial adjustments and yeah. things like that. Like we're trained that way. Women are kind of trained yeah. to notice right. that kind of thing, yeah. and men are not. Like it's possible that men would be really really good at that. Right. If you've taught them that these things are important and to look, yeah, for it's them. not genetic. It's not inherent. I mean, it it may be a matter of survival in a lot of cases. If you walk around and you're smaller than most people, and some of them want to uh, hurt you or take advantage of you, it is a good idea to train yourself to be able to notice signals that you know the 250 pound man probably doesn't need to pay attention to. Sure. In the same way. Yeah, and. Yeah, 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 yeah. The other thing is like being able to navigate social constraints if if survival equals you keep the group together. Yeah, yeah. You got to be able to read their emotions and tend to them so they exactly. show up and like grow the food and cut the thing and hold the babies and all the shit. Yeah, 
communities have to do together. Yeah. Well, I mean, you and I both agree that these are skills that are worth developing regardless of gender. Um, And especially if you want to be in any kind of leadership position, they're essential skills. But I think movies like this, you were saying like the subtle, you can't fake authentic emotional uh, cues. Yeah. That's why great actors like Christian Bale, Francis McDermott, is that right? McDormand. McDormand, okay. Yeah. Um, Tony Collette comes to mind as another person where I'm just like, that's what it looks like. That's really like, there's an honesty to their lie. They are, yeah. They're lying in the character. This isn't really happening, but there's an honesty to it that it, it's actually teaching me this is what someone would look like if they were going through this. And that's one of the things that I think acting is a gift in that way. Yeah. One of the things that that I'm drawn to in performances and this movie, Laurel Canyon, is an extreme example of this kind of thing, is you cannot... If you have an actor who has a level of vanity, and what I mean by that is every actor has the ability to have, uh, be paying attention externally to what's going on. So they're, they're in it, they're feeling the thing, but right. they have an awareness of the audience, they have awareness yeah. of the camera. There's a part of their body that has a level of awareness. And if that part of their uh, strategy has a high level of vanity in it there's something that's different and and the best way that i can describe this is when you look at out of africa versus uh the way we were so robert redford and meryl streep are in this movie out of africa meryl streep has very like no vanity in her performance and her acting style and the two of them together they're supposed to be in a romance but the two of them Meryl Streep is in fucking Africa. Meryl Streep is the person that she's hired to be in the situation she's meant to be in. Robert Redford is Robert Redford in a movie that happens to be in Africa across from Meryl (laughs) Streep, who's playing a character. You can tell when they walk into rooms, which one of them has more of a vain eye on what they're doing and how they're being and what they're like. Robert Redford has vanity. And it doesn't work. There's a, there's a, the movie's fine. It did really well. People fucking like it. But when you drop yeah. in and you're trying to feel, I mean, you're throwing you're, shade at Robert Redford, like, right? <laughs> so the two of them are in co- two completely different movies. So if you watch and you open yourself up experientially and emotionally, you can see no vanity in Meryl Streep's performance, which is she carries that through her whole career, like a Tony Collette, right? But then you grab the way we were, Robert Redford and Barbara Streisand, both have high levels of vanity in their performance and Mm. it works because they are both in the same place of they're playing people who are with each other, but they're also with themselves. There's this outside watching eye that each one of them uses and it works together. They have more chemistry because they have the same delusion in their strategy for how to do the role they're in. So it's like casting the person who's all who's already like the person you want them to play versus casting an actor who's so versatile that they could play anybody. Sure. Well, and the other thing is, so these movies that I love tend to have people who are able to just release all of that vanity that use enough of that watchful eye to make sure they're in the right places. But they're paying attention to whether they're really 
with the person they're in the scene with yeah. and actually experiencing the thing. Yeah. The quality of just presence. Presence and yeah. And you can see it. And there are people who like, you can like, where are they? It's like they're phoning in a performance. Yeah. But when everyone is on the same page and, and together dropped into the moment, it makes for this really, I mean, it's deeply hypnotic. You're like, yeah. Oh, I know what this is yeah. doing. And everybody's in on the joke. Right. And they take you on a ride and it's an emotional yeah. experience. Yeah, it's voyeuristic in the sense that it looks like you're looking in the window into something really happening. So that vanity thing, I got to wrap this up in a second yeah. here, but I wanted to like postulate. So the is the vanity thing about some of the self clinging to it? Like, like it's some of the, I don't want my image as who I am separate from this character to be tarnished by this character, this performance. Um, like, like I imagine there are actors who will do things for roles where mm -hmm. they're, you know, they're humiliating or they're, um, they're, they, they're destroying of a, a self character, self image. Sure. But I think of someone like Tom Cruise and I'm like, in spite of the fact that I think Tom Cruise is a pretty great actor in a lot of ways, there are things that you could never imagine. He would never ever allow himself to be like, humiliated on screen or um or you know um yeah uh, but uh, again uh, he'll commit to stuff like the yes. what's the less grossman in uh in tropic thunder with he's like i'll do it if i can dance and i have big hands like yeah. that's what he said and born on fourth of july is yeah. a less vain performance yeah yeah yeah, no, when he was younger, for sure. But it, it seems more like the Tom Cruise brand now is I'm going to be invincible and still have digital washboard abs until I'm 65. <laughs> <laughs> um, which, I mean, dude, don't get me wrong. Every single anyway. one of the most recent Tom Cruise movies fucking awesome i'm like please he's gonna jump out of space <laughs> or he did that in the next one they're going into space he's gonna go film the next thing actually in not like fake zero g actual outer space he's hey. the first time this has ever happened so oh, please so tom cruise don't fuck with your brand. You're doing fine. Yes. <laughs> but it, it the thing you're talking about vanity there, when I see him, I'm like, he will not let that be tarnished. And there are other actors that are like, I'll do whatever. Like, yeah. uh, yes. And I, I think it's different than, it's a little bit different than whether somebody's a character actor or whether somebody is just paid to be them in a movie. There's, I think there's a fine line because there are tons of people who are just always going to be who they are. And they yeah, yeah, yeah. To, uh, Keanu Reeves. And I'm going to say that that some of that does have a level of vanity and the inability to sort of like drop that yeah. selfness about right. the thing. And that's fine. There's a lot of instances yeah. where that's fine, but there's there is content where it just doesn't work. Uh, yeah. We were talking about Christopher Reeve not being able to like in noises off. Like, yeah. We were, like, Christopher Reeve and comedy. I'm like, <laughs> I, I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah. And we can come back to this, but there's, there's something about, I get the sense that you can tell that they're watching themselves do. That's what I meant by image. Yes, yeah. exactly. It's like, 
there's too much of themselves aware of themselves. Yes. Um, which is a weird thing because that's not just when you're on camera. Like you can be like that in real life. I know I've spent most of my life outside of my own body looking at myself, trying to act human. Yes. And yes. um <laughs> and it's only been in recent years, especially as I've been doing more body work and somatic work and getting into my body and healing deep like physiological trauma that I've been able to get to places where I'm I it's like you notice that you're that you haven't been paying attention and then you're paying attention in that moment when you notice it but you're like oh I wasn't paying attention to any I was totally free for I don't know the last 30 seconds or 10 minutes or something yeah Um, and then you're like now I'm aware of it Uh, but it yeah it gets more and more frequent and more and more effortless more and more intentional too totally yeah Yeah. and worth practicing good good tangent that was a fun one good time okay i gotta run yeah fabulous wonderful to talk to you um i'll finish laurel canyon and then we'll discuss what our uh, homework assignments are for next time i love it have a great time have a good uh, thanksgiving too oh you too holiday holiday all right see you later bye